Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. Before the episode starts, have a quick little announcement. Fearscape Media Network now has a free downloadable app where you can listen to all of our podcasts. To help support this, please donate to fearscapemedia.com support and help us keep the lights on, so to speak. Thanks a lot. Grab a drink because you're going to need it for this episode right after this quick commercial. Hey guys, Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast and Misters of the Dark. From now until the end of March, we at the Fearscape Media Network are raising funds to support your favorite FSMN shows throughout the next year. One such way is happening on March 5th from 7pm to 10pm Eastern Time. I will be offering live Zoom tarot readings under the moniker Phoenix Moon. I have been reading professionally for 20 years and now offer my services to all of you. Proceeds from the event go to support the network. Go to fearscapemedia.com forward slash tarot to sign up for your slot now. There's only 12 available, so get one while they last. Thanks again, and remember, you can always support the network by going to fearscapemedia.com forward slash support. Stay spooky. Drinking and binge thinking. Episode dos. Listen to me get overly excited about challenging all of your cognitive distortions. Hi there, friends. This is your host of Wishful Drinking and Binge Thinking, Anastasia Huntington III of the Delaware Huntingtons. (laughs) I'm a female junior. (laughs) My friends call me Trip. Um, this podcast is part of the Fearscape Media Network, distributed by Anchor and all the other shit people make me say. (laughs) Oh, uh, my friend Aaron Smith makes amazing drawings, and my logo for this podcast was developed by him. I miss you, friend. I'll see you again one day. Shout out. Today's drink on tap, I've got some Moscow Mules. I've got some New Amsterdam Vodka with some Elixir G and Sprite, some lime juice. I'm about four deep on those, and I wasn't really feeling it, so I took maybe a couple shots of vodka, too. So... During this episode, I might get a little more drunky drunk than I anticipated. (laughs) My apologies. No, not my apologies. This is what the whole fucking show is. You're welcome. If you are just joining my podcast, fucking why? Who starts on episode two? That's just fucking weird. You got a problem. Maybe you've got a phobia of the number one. If that's the case, I am so sorry, man. That's, like, more prevalent than 13. So, 
you know, good on you for trying to make it through the world with that extremely specific phobia. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do a quick recap of my first episode because this is kind of a continuation of that. Uh, I got absurdly giggly in the first episode. I guess that happens when I drink red wine. Um, I spoke a lot about Albert Ellis and my weird obsession with this dead man. Um, pretty cool psychologist, though. You should check him out if you haven't already looked him up after my weird rambly rant about him. I spoke a lot about cognitive distortions, and I'm going to do a quick recap of those. So I've got all or none thinking, or black and white thinking, overgeneralizing, the mental filter, disqualifying the positive, jumping to conclusions, my personal biggie, magnification or catastrophization, (laughs) and minimization, then emotional reasoning, shooting all over yourself or masturbation, labeling and personalization. One thing, God, I'm such a dum-dum. I forgot to mention one that I almost I almost always mention. I used to give this class a lot when I was teaching and I would do this list of top 10 cognitive distortions, but I was I would always add a number 11 and that is romanticizing. I cannot tell you how much romanticizing I've seen people do. And romanticizing is kind of the opposite of a mental filter because you're only looking at the positives and you're disqualifying the negatives. A perfect example of this is when you look at someone who is in an abusive relationship and you're wondering why the hell they don't leave. Because they are romanticizing everything. They're looking at the good stuff and ignoring the bad stuff. They're like, oh, remember when three weeks ago you made me chocolate chip pancakes? And then they totally forget when you punched her in the face. Or when she punched him in the face. I'm not saying who's the abuser in this situation. It Stop saying men can't be abused or can't be raped and shit like that. God, this got <laughs> deeper than I wanted too fast. Anyway, back to the point. People romanticize things pretty frequently And it leads us to make a lot of poor decisions in life (laughs) because we're looking at everything with rose-colored glasses on. Ignore that I ended my last sentence in a preposition. I'm not in a state to make grammatically correct dialogue right now. So, what I want to talk about today continuation of these this whole cognitive distortion theory the whole point of this is that you need to identify the thoughts that lead to your beliefs and behaviors and we kind of broke that down in the last episode about how you can create did we no, that's what I'm going to do this episode. Never mind. Shut the fuck up, Kelly. By the way, when I said I was a dum-dum earlier for not adding in romanticism, whoever 
was like, oh, oh, she just labeled herself. Good job. A plus. The, when you say little things like that about yourself, you tend to believe them over a long period of time. Did I talk in the last episode about self-fulfilling prophecies? I did. Like the little kid who's not great at math, but then the teacher says, you're bad at math. So the kid stops trying at math and then consequently is fucking bad at math. Yeah, when you label yourself, if I call myself a dum-dum, even though I just mean it jokingly, I might eventually start to believe that I'm a dum-dum because I say it so often and that's like a regular thing your brain does. So for everyone who identified that, good job. Luckily, I have a stupid amount of self-confidence which just does not refuses to believe that I'm a dum-dum. <laughs> um actually while we're talking about that, let's let's look at um breaking down that kind of thing. Labeling is one of my favorite things to do because for example, <laughs> I used to teach a class and I would ask a person in the class to call me a stupid bitch. And it would take so long to get a volunteer to do that. They were like, um, you're an authority figure. I don't think I should do that. Is this a trap? This is a trap. <laughs> After some assurance, I'd finally get one gung-ho client who was like, you're a stupid bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> to which I would reply with the whole method about questioning these beliefs. If someone puts that label on me or if I believe that label, I have to break it down and say, what's the evidence against this? Break it down. Stupid bitch. Let's look at stupid first. Am I stupid? I've got a college degree that says otherwise. Stupid people don't get college degrees. Stupid people can't argue eloquently like I can when I don't have a large amount of vodka in my system. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I know this as a fact, so I don't believe the insult bitch. Uh, several approaches to this one I could take. I could say, well, I'm not a bitch. I, I chose a career at one point, which was to help people. Um, bitches don't do things like that. Or I could say, absolutely, yes, I am a bitch. Bitches get shit done. <coughs> Sorry, that is a sentiment that is for all my fan. Um, so basically, I've just created a couple different arguments that say, this is why I'm not a stupid bitch, this is why I don't believe your insult, and because I don't believe it, it's not going to make an impact on me. Which is a good example of what I want to do today, which is to show you how to break down all of the cognitive distortions that you have in a logical way that you can constantly remind yourself of and eventually free yourself of the underlying beliefs that your thoughts create. One more drink before I get started. Uh, I forgot the lime juice in this one. Oh, well, it's fine. Okay. Uh, my, my good friend Albert Ellis, who I love, the pirate of psychology... I mean, like, his, his mouth was like a pirate. He cussed everybody out. He fucking loved it. Um, <laughs> he created something called the ABCs. And if you've done any kind of cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm sure you've probably seen a different sort of ABC or one that's very similar but slightly different. Uh, for this, a 
let's just do it one by one. The A stands for antecedent, which is a big-ass fancy word that means the thing that happens before something else. Now, what Albert Ellis said is that the antecedent for everything in this scenario of cognitive distortions is a thought. Um, that could be one little thought. It could be anything. Ah! <laughs> I closed my eyes for a second when I opened the fucking cat was staring at me. Go away. That drink is not for you. Okay, <laughs> <Hey>, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm very easily distractible. And to be honest with you, I feel like my recording equipment is taunting me. This this little box just said focus right on the top of it and I, I, you know what? Fuck you, box. <laughs> I will take things misogynists say for 200, Alex. Oh no, Alex Trebek died. God. Stupid brain. Focus, focus. Okay. A, a antecedent thought that comes before something else. <laughs> comes before something else. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I'm such a perv. Sorry, y'all. Um, so, thoughts lead to behaviors and beliefs. If you have the same thought over and over and over again, like, in, in that example, like, if someone else was calling me a stupid bitch enough, maybe I would start to call myself a stupid bitch. And if I do that over and over and over again then part of me is going to believe that it's true. Um, I create a deep-seated belief inside myself that this is true, which is what the B stands for in the ABCs. So an antecedent, that one little thought, leads to a belief, something more deep-rooted and harder to change. Um, the C then stands for consequences. If you have a deep-seated belief like that, it leads to some consequences in your life. You're going to notice a lot of different things that aren't going well for you because of this negative belief you have. And it's not just negative things. You could have a deep-seated positive belief. That's <laughs> where narcissism can steam fr stem from. Uh, maybe not like clinical narcissism, you know, because that's kind of founded on some very fragile self-esteem issues there, but <laughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> beliefs can be positive or negative. It's the negative ones that you're aiming to change. Uh, consequences are a result of that. And then the D. We move to the D. Not the D you're thinking of, you dirty, dirty slut. <laughs> this D stands for discrepancies, which means a big fancy word meaning the evidence against something. Um, you need to find a reason that that original thought, that antecedent, does not make sense. This is your job. Now, <laughs> a lot of things could happen in your life. You could go through some traumatic events, whatever. You are not responsible for the trauma that has been inflicted upon you, but you are responsible for making the changes and bettering your life after it. It's uh, whoever hurt you or whatever in the past, they've moved on. Your problems aren't their problems. They don't give a shit. Sorry to tell you. 
but you're going to have to fix these things on your own. It's your responsibility now whether or not you cause the problem in the first place. So, fucking sucks for you, but the good news is if you actually work on it, you can be better. Let's go back to romanticizing for a second. Let's use this as an example. Um, say you're in a bad relationship, or you think you are, whatever. No, let's say it's a normal-ass relationship, and you think, Oh my god, he's cheating on me. Is this a logical thought? Let's find out. So maybe you've had past experiences where someone did cheat on you or you were in a relationship that made you question things or had a lot of uncertainty in it. Uncertainty leads to the most anxiety because at least when you know the answer to something, you can start healing from it or preparing for it, whatever. When you don't know something, you're stuck in limbo and it's so fucking anxiety-inducing. So your thought is, he's cheating on me. Um, having that thought over and over and over again, whether it's founded or not, is going to lead to some sort of internal belief. Like, I'm not worth loving, or I am inadequate, or, <laughs> you know, I'm not good enough. Uh, at, at the bare minimum, you think, I'm not good enough. That is your belief. So we got the A, we got the B, the C. What are the consequences of having these beliefs? What do you think the consequences are going to look like if you tell yourself day in and day out that you're not good enough, that you're inadequate, that you're not worth loving? It's not going to be fucking good. <laughs> I can tell you that. You're going to have low self-esteem it's gonna affect you at home at work like if you think you're inadequate you aren't gonna go out for that promotion at work you are you're not gonna clean the fucking kitchen because you're like I'm not gonna do it well anyway I'm inadequate like it's gonna affect every goddamn aspect of your life that's the consequence for believing you're not good enough now, the discrepancy, this is the fun part. This is where you get to ask yourself all the challenging questions. It's where you get to say, what What was that antecedent, that initial thought? He's cheating on me? Well, what are the discrepancies? Do I have proof of this? What is the evidence for this? Am I pulling information from a past relationship into this relationship? Uh, am, am I hearing this from a particular person? And is that source of information even reliable? Uh, just what's the evidence? So <laughs> you can have any kind of thought, but if you don't have any evidence to back it up, that doesn't mean that it's true. Now, the thoughts, the antecedents, they're usually easier to identify than the underlying beliefs they create. You could talk yourself out of believing that he's cheating on you. But after so long of convincing yourself that that's the case, you've still got that underlying belief that you're not good enough. 
And that's where the real battle happens. It's figuring out the discrepancies for that, that core belief that you've created for yourself. So what's the evidence against believing that you're not good enough? How do you show yourself that you're not inadequate, that you're worth loving? It's a little bit harder, but it's one of those things that you have to practice and tell yourself over and over again. Yes, I am worth it. There is no evidence that I'm not worth it. The only person that thinks I'm not worth it is me. It's, <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. The beliefs are a lot harder to combat than the antecedent thoughts. But the biggest thing with this ABC method is identifying what those thoughts are. Catching them before they become those deep-seated beliefs. Working on those deep-seated beliefs is where the real mental counseling self-work, self-help starts. That's just one example. And it's not even the best example. Like, there are other good ones. Let's look at labeling. I called myself a dum-dum earlier. Labeling is a big thing that we all do. We call ourselves stupid. We call ourselves idiots. We put ourselves down all the time when we don't really need to. And if you've got enough confidence, it's fine, whatever, because it doesn't affect you very much. But if you don't, that contributes to your underlying beliefs that you're inadequate. Um, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I used to work a lot with clients who struggle with addiction. A lot of dual diagnosis clients like addiction and depression, addiction and anxiety, addiction and PTSD. So much PTSD. Jesus. But one of my... I had a client who... I showed this ABC method to. And one of the big things that he did was identify his greatest cognitive distortion, which is the label, I'm just a junkie. This was his antecedent thought. Number one, step A, I'm just a junkie. That's what he thought over and over and over again. And because he did, he created this deep-seated belief that he doesn't deserve to have a good life that people expected bad behavior from him, that he couldn't be successful because he was just a junkie. These beliefs, they led to certain consequences. He lost his job, he lost money, he lost his car, he <laughs> lost his family, he went to jail. He missed the birth of his daughter because he was in jail. Like, <laughs> he left the hospital, he went to go get high, one thing led to another, bam, jail. <laughs> like, those are some pretty fucked up consequences. And it all stemmed from that internal belief that, you know, he shouldn't have been there anyway. He didn't deserve it. He's not supposed to have a good life because he's just a junkie. So, how the shit did he overcome such a fucking deep-seated belief that was so ingrained with all of the substance use and constant labeling. He started looking at the discrepancies. He started saying, he broke it down. He said, I'm just a junkie. Well, that doesn't make sense. You can't just be one thing. I'm a father, a son, a husband, a carpenter, a musician. I'm all of these things. I can't just be a junkie. 
And another thing that I used to do, I used to point out to different people in when I use this as an example in my class and ask, what is your definition of a junkie? I would have one person that would tell me, it's someone who uses needles. Another person would say, it's someone who does drugs in general. Uh, another person said, oh, it's, it's someone who has HIV or, or some kind of, you know, uh, blood was contained. <laughs> there are so many definitions that these clients gave me that like there, there was no real definition for this label. So, how can you say you're something when there's not even a real definition for that thing? Because everyone viewed it differently. So, you can label yourself all you want, but it's not going to make any logical sense because there's no fucking way, as a human being, you can just be one goddamn thing. We can't fit ourselves into a box like that. And I think I talked about that last week. It's impossible to just be one thing with such a limited definition. We are far more complex than that. Human beings are so fucking amazing that just saying that we're one thing in general is fucking stupid. I don't care if that's a label. It's fucking stupid as shit. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, I asked people for a few different things, some cognitive distortions that they had personally, and I saw people say things like, I should be a better mom. That's such an antecedent thought. I should be a better mom. The belief that you create for yourself when you say that over and over again is that you're not a good mom that you don't have it together, you don't know what to do, you're lost in life, and you need help. You can't do it yourself. And if you believe that you can't do it yourself, what are the consequences of that? You become depressed, I'm sure. It might be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you think you're not a good mom, like that fucking math kid, you're not going to be a new mom, you're not going to try new things, you're not going to do certain things with your kid that you might have otherwise done because you're like, well, shit, I'm a bad mom anyway. Who gives a fuck? And the discrepancies, when you look into that, when you try to say, well, what are the reasons I'm not a good mom? Oh, my God. I bet you find a whole handful of things. I keep the house generally clean. My child's not been in a horrible accident. I've kept them out of the street. Whatever the case, <laughs> your kid's still alive and breathing and has a home, hopefully, <laughs> a roof over the head. I mean, it depends on what your definition of a good mom is. If you think a good mom is spoon-feeding your child caviar on a cracker, you're probably not going to be a good mom. Change your fucking definition. A good mom is keeping your kid alive and hopefully getting them to school at some point. Basically, you need to break down why your label doesn't make sense. You need to stop the snowballing before it goes any further than the initial thought. You need to remind yourself that should and ought to and must don't make sense. There's no universal law saying that anything should or shouldn't be a certain way. Those are stipulations that we have created in our own heads because we're fucking assholes. <laughs> I'm not 
I'm not just talking about identifying all the big life-changing shit either. Like, I don't need you to figure out your childhood traumas in a day by, you know, challenging some of the beliefs you have because of that. I'm talking about the little stuff too. Like, someone told me that they couldn't clean their kitchen because they had all or none thinking. Like, if I can't do it right, if I can't do it perfectly, then there's no point in doing it at all. That's one of those little <laughs> everyday logical fallacies that we have the antecedent is that oh, i can't clean the kitchen i mean I'm, i can't do it properly and then the belief is that you know i'm <laughs> again you get that i'm not good enough i can't do it right i can't do it perfect there's no point in doing it at all the consequence of which is living in filth but the discrepancy is why the fuck does it need to be done properly who the shit are you trying to impress I mean, do you think Gordon Ramsay's going to walk into your house and be like, what the bloody fuck is this? This is a goddamn hot mess. You've, you've got onion peels all over the place. Who needs so many fucking onion peels, you fucking donkey? That was a shitty accent. I can do much better when I'm sober. But you get the point. <laughs> it's like you can use challenging questions when you question that antecedent, that underlying thought, like, I can't like clean the kitchen, I can't do it properly, you have to question yourself and be like, why the fuck are you thinking that you can't do it, that you can't do it properly? Like, first of all, what the fuck is properly? I mean, does that mean that every surface has to be completely germ-free? No. It just means that you can maneuver around in your kitchen for the most part, right? Everyone's got a def different definition of what clean is. And, and who says you have to do it all at once? Why don't you clean the sink one day and clean the oven the next? Who gives a shit? It's your goddamn house. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. So <laughs> we torture ourselves with these thoughts that don't need to be so burdensome on our brains. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not berating anyone for having thoughts like these and not challenging those thoughts. But the more we identify what the antecedent thoughts are, we can question them so they don't develop into long-term beliefs that are issues for us. Now, addressing the beliefs that you've already created with your thoughts, the cognitive distortions that lead to these beliefs, it takes some time. Imagine it like a block inside your chest. And each time you question those beliefs and find evidence against those beliefs, you chip away at it a little bit. And you're not going to see a difference immediately. But after a while of identifying your core beliefs that, cre that just create these consequences for you, you just chip away, chip away, chip away until it's just a tiny little crumble. Now, I'm not saying all of these thoughts are going to disappear. Absolutely not. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on my mental health. But that doesn't mean that I don't get constant thoughts popping up every once in a while. I've just gotten really good at recognizing when I have those thoughts and finding the evidence against them quickly before they develop into those beliefs that create long-term depression and anxiety. Um, <laughs> there's, there's not a trick to it. It's just practice. You gotta fucking practice. 
quit being a lazy bitch and do it. By the way, when <laughs> when I throw those terms out there, I, I, I don't mean them offensively. I don't put any credence on insults at all. It's just another way of saying friends, not bitches. Um, <laughs> so basically what I'm suggesting is through all of this, episode one and two, what I'm saying is figure out what you do the most. Identify when you're doing it. And once you start to recognize it, you can create arguments against it. Like the guy I had who noticed that he kept thinking to himself, I'm just a junkie. Once he identified that as a prevalent thought, he was able to realize that it led to the bl- like much more serious belief that he wasn't deserving of good things in life. And once he realized how much it was affecting him, he was able to argue against himself. You're like a lawyer, only you're both the defendant and the plaintiff. (laughs) You are arguing against yourself. And one of you, fuck, I don't know, I've, I've lost, I've, lost my train on this analogy but one of you is more prepared than the other for court because you've been thinking it over and over and over and over again for your whole life you have this serious belief but you need to come up with an argument that's good enough to get the jury your brain on your side to decide that that belief doesn't make sense anymore you need to amend it when I call myself a dum-dum. Did I believe that at one point? Uh, probably not. That's not the best example. But if I did, then I would have had to have found all of the evidence that showed all the smart things I had done in life. Or at least, at the very least, all the not stupid things I had done. And, and trust me, there are far more not stupid things I've done in my life than stupid things when you really think about it. You just remember the stupid things more because it's a bigger lesson for you in the long run. So basically what I'm saying with this episode is that you need to recognize your most common cognitive distortions and you need to ask yourself some serious questions about those when you notice yourself doing them. So start with just noticing And once you start notice, start questioning. Find the discrepancies because (laughs) there are going to be a lot of them. I I mean, I I hate to say it, but our antecedent thoughts are dumb as shit. We're fucking idiots, honestly. Our brain has nothing better to do, so it creates problems for us because it it needs to do something. Uh, Our brains suck sometimes, but once you start recognizing its patterns... You can outsmart that bitch. The The ABCD method is pretty good for that, especially if you write it out. Antecedent, belief, consequence, discrepancy. Seeing it written down in front of your face is just a really fucking great way of being able to pinpoint what exactly you need to work on. And the more practice you get at it, the better you get at it. And once you start doing this, you'll notice a pretty big reduction in anxiety and depression. I mean, 
obviously there can be some chemical imbalances there that cause a problem. Don't stop taking medication <laughs> in lieu of doing the fucking ABC method. Like, that's, that's not going to be a replacement for you. This is just a way to prevent further harmful beliefs from developing inside of you. We only had room for so many blocks inside of our chest that we need to chip away on. Why create more blocks if you don't need to? Get better at recognizing your cognitive distortions. We all have them. We all do them. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Fucking take control of it. We have control of more than we think we do in our brains. So it's time to start putting aside all of our trepidation with that and just fucking asking ourselves ask ourselves the hard questions. Excuse me. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> a good sign that I'm about done. Hopefully I was clear enough with the ABC method. I know I kind of rushed through it a little bit, but the examples that I used were just a few of the common cognitive distortions that I see and hopefully it gave you an idea of how to break down your own personalized cognitive distortion. I hope that I educated you and didn't giggle too much this episode. <laughs> I hope that I really helped you analyze everything. <laughs> the first half of analyze is anal. <laughs> I'm easily amused. Look, the point is, quit being a little bitch. Figure out what you're doing to make yourself miserable. Your thoughts are the problem. Because other people can't control what you think or how you feel. He made me so mad. No, he didn't make you mad. You made you mad. Okay? Your thoughts create your feelings. You, if, if someone makes you mad, it's like, what's the thought that led to that anger? Oh, he's disrespecting me. That's your thought. You're the one that thought that. How is he supposed to know that he shouldn't say what, whatever? He's not in charge of you. You're in charge of you. Okay? So take responsibility for your thoughts and actions and feelings. All right? <laughs> because we cannot control anything that anyone else says or does or thinks or feels we can only control our response to other people so if you keep thinking that all of your issues in life are because other people are fucking with you or making you angry or whatever like huh, kind of makes you the dumb dumb the asshole Whatever. This is not the case. You are responsible for your thoughts. So take control of them. Obviously, you can't control every thought or feeling you have. But when there are negative ones, you can control the impact they make on you by questioning how legitimate those thoughts and feelings are. By <laughs> breaking them down and trying to figure out what it is that bothers you so much about it. Figure out what your big thing is. 
like I said, for me, is jumping to conclusions. I am constantly taking actions based on assumptions. I assume that someone is feeling or thinking a certain thing. So I take actions based on those assumptions. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. The problem for me is, my big issue, is that I'm right often enough that it doesn't make me want to change that bad. But I'm aware of this. So every time I make an assumption, I remind myself that there is a good chance that this is wrong. You are taking a gamble with this action based on this assumption. And as long as I keep that in mind, I am not upset with the results. I could be very wrong about something when I make the assumption. But because I'm aware of what I'm doing, it doesn't upset me as much when I'm wrong. So that's been one of my ways of dealing with my own personal cognitive distortions. Because, yeah, I can be a little bit of a narcissist at times because I always think I'm right jumping to the conclusions. And, you know, I am right sometimes. But a lot of the times I am really wrong. And I'm okay with that. I've made my peace with it. I question myself enough that I know, hey, this is probably wrong. You're taking a chance acting on it anyway. So my big thing has been not changing what I think, but accepting what I think. Those conclusions that I jumped to and just knowing that there's a good chance they might be wrong. And that's helped me a lot because I don't get upset when I'm wrong now anymore. I accept it and I move on. Kind of like it's a numbers game. I'm, I'm somebody on fucking online dating. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. I'll, I'll be right at some point. <laughs> Listen, I've been rambly and ranty and weird this episode. Sorry. <laughs> if there is anything that you need more clarification on and want me to talk about in the next episode, please email me with any questions. It's kelly at realmccoykelly.com that's kelly with a y and if you need help spelling real mccoy kelly I, I'm, I'm not gonna in insult your intelligence i'm just gonna say get help from someone kelly at realmccoykelly.com send me your questions even if they're not related to this if there's just a psychological question you want to know I'll, I'll probably do a Q&A episode at one point. So, send them over. Um, end of episode wrap-up. R-A-B-T. Cognitive distortions. Albert Ellis. Don't be a dick to other people because of your own thoughts and issues. Um, yeah. That, that just about does it. Um, Fearscape Media Network. Anchor FM for the podcast. Aaron Smith for the logos. You can find him at Aaron Doodles on Instagram. That's at Aaron Doodles. You can also find Fearscape Media and all their related podcasts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. <sighs> I'm done. Peace out.
Fearscape, a paranormal podcast, part of the Fearscape Media Network. Prepare to be spooked. (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. Find out more at fearscapepodcast.com.